Welcome to the First United Methodist Church. We hope our sermon broadcast will bless you. The scripture reading this morning is a parable of Jesus found in Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16, and this is from the New Revised Standard Version. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into the vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. At about five o'clock, he went out and he found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard. So when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received a denarius. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and, and you've made them equal to us who've borne the burden of the day and scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us be in a spirit of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. It was my first day in my introduction to Old Testament class in seminary. And in walks the dean of the seminary. Now he was also an Old Testament professor, Dr. Wolfgang Roth. And he was just as German as the sentence name sounds, even with the accent. It was almost tough to hear him say what he was teaching. But he started the class in a very unique way that I have never forgotten. Obviously, I'm still preaching on it 40 years later. He took his Bible, this is the one off my desk, and he held it up and said, Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Word of God. And just let that sink in for a moment. And then he said, but these are not the words of God. 
See, he was making very clear and very concise the reality we exist with with regards to Scripture. Some will tell you that every word is sacred. Every word is sacred in the fact that it is a word, but it is not sacred in the fact that it came from the mouth of God. At least not in its original form. Last I looked, this was in English, not Aramaic, which was the language Jesus spoke in conversation. I can get a Hebrew Bible. I can't read it. I do better with the Greek New Testament, although I was even better still a few years ago. But the words together communicate to us the ideas, the concepts, the precepts that God would have us learn. And it is through those ideas, those precepts, the inspiration that God's Holy Spirit brings to us through the words as a group that enable us to refer to that Bible regardless of version, regardless of language, as the Word of God. Now, one thing I've learned over the years is that God is a very creative individual. In this book, there are another number of different forms of literature. We tend to treat this like it's a historical work. Well, it is, in part. But it's also a work of poetry. It's a work of reflection. Its purpose is not to be studied like a text, but to be taken as a testament of faith. This book itself is not holy. The spirit that emanates from it and speaks to our hearts and our lives, that's holy. There's one form in this book that I particularly like, and given the opportunity, I usually preach on it, and those are called the parables. Now, I tend to focus on the parables of Jesus, but there are parables all through the book, Old Testament and New. This morning's scripture reading was a parable, basically a work of creative fiction used by Jesus to capitalize on a teaching moment. There really wasn't a landowner, at least not the one who went down to hire workers throughout the day. 
Jesus was using that as a vehicle because it was something easily identifiable by those who were listening to him at the time. I could stand here and I could go through the hours of the day and the traditions of those who are hiring um, migratory workers or tenant farmers or whatever and explain the ins and outs. But you know what? When it comes right down to it, that's not the important part. Joachim Jeremias was a New Testament scholar um, early to mid-20th century who really became fascinated by the parables even wrote a book about them, Rediscovering the Parables. And he very concisely said, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's a story everybody could understand and accept, and, but there was usually a twist to it. God's twist Because it was God's point. So I could stand here and dissect the whole passage and all that. and It might be helpful for us to hear that at some point. Because we don't have the same environment that the hearers originally did. But that wasn't the point of the story. The point of the story is simple. It's contained in the last few lines. The point of the story is, why should you be angry? Because I am generous. And it talks to us about the generosity of God and God's willingness to offer to each of us the gift of faith, the gift of salvation, the gift of wholeness to provide us with what is able to sustain us from day to day. Whether we have awakened to the power of God's Spirit in our youth, in our childhood, or as we approach death. For God, it doesn't really make any difference when. God's gift of grace, the usual daily wage, if you will, the denarius, is given to each of the laborers in the vineyard. Not as wages for their work by the hour, but as an acknowledgement, a gift, a way to say, I'm happy you're here. Some people get upset because people go through their entire lives, quote unquote, having fun, sinning along the way rather than to live a godly life, a wholesome life, a healthy life. And they'd probably throw in a boring life, which isn't true, by the way. I've had plenty of excitement, and I still think I'm pretty godly, I hope. 
I'll check with you later, pause. Okay. But the point is, some people get really upset if they've accepted Christ as a youth. And there are these people who have spent their lives wasting their lives away, who finally come to God just moments before they pass. And how could God offer the same gift of grace, the same forgiveness that God has given to me? Because it's not something to be earned. We don't have or experience grace because we deserve it. We experience grace even though we don't. It is not something that is earned. It is a gift that is given out of God's generosity. That's the heavenly meaning. It defies logic. It defies reason. For everybody, except for God, Because God doesn't think the way we do. It's not a tally. It's not what we've earned. It's not even what we deserve. God's grace is here for each of us. Which is actually good news for a lot of us because even those of us who think, like me, that I've led a fairly godly life, I still acknowledge the fact that I'm a sinner, that I've made my mistakes. Does that mean I get fired from my job? Does that mean I lose my spot in the vineyard? Or more importantly, at the line at the end of the day as I receive my wage? No. Because once again, we worship a generous God who's willing, in spite of my mistakes, to take me back, put me back on the payroll, as it were, even if I only last in the field for another hour. Parables are wonderful things if we don't overthink them. And that's frankly the biggest problem with the parables is we tend to overthink them. We take them and instead of looking for a single point, we turn them into allegory or something else that, oh, well, I've heard this done a lot with the parable of, of the um, prodigal son. Heard sermon after sermon saying, well, which character are you? Are you the father? Are you the older brother? Are you the younger brother? Okay, you, at that, you just totally missed the point. Because it's not about the characters. It's about the story. God's given us a wondrous gift. Actually, a number of them. One is the Word and the Spirit contained in this book. But the other, even the more important one, 
It's the grace that each of us are offered time and time again from moment to moment, from place to place, regardless of who we've been, what we've done, what we've said, who we've hurt, or how we've been hurt. That's the true gift, the gift of God's grace. Thanks be to God. Amen.